This is Lonnie Veasley, and you're listening to the Ready to Sell podcast, a show to help you sell your company. All right, welcome back here. This is Lonnie Veasley with the Ready to Sell podcast, and I have Jenny Sutter here. She's the owner of the FranNet franchise in the greater Tampa Bay area. Welcome, Jenny. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about FranNet and um, also yourself? Sure. Uh, well, FranNet, you know, which is who knows what FranNet is, but um, you can think of FranNet as a franchise network, um, but it's also a franchise. And what that means is I'm the owner of a franchise that helps people find franchises. So the franchise owner of a franchise that helps people find franchises. So FranNet franchise consultant, uh, franchise broker, however you want to look at it. Okay. And I'll ask you how you got into this, but just because uh, the listeners have been listening to my show so far, you know, I sell businesses, you sell franchises, which are businesses, but what's the difference between a business broker, which is myself, and a franchise broker like you or someone working for you? Yeah. So first and foremost, I actually don't sell franchises. Um, I literally, you know, as a franchise broker, I'm going to put that in quotes because I'm not a business broker like you are. I don't have licenses that you have in order to sell a business. I literally am um, a consultant that helps people figure out which franchises make sense for them. So I'm, I'm an intermediary between somebody who's looking to invest in a franchise and the franchise organizations, helping people figure out which ones make sense. Okay. That makes sense. Um, how did you get into um, selling franchises and with FranNet? Yeah, so that's a pretty funny story, actually. Um, and I'll just kind of go backwards a little bit into my history. Um, you know, I'm a Florida native, uh, one of the few, I suppose, and um, went to, you know, college here in Florida. After college, I graduated with a business marketing degree, and I actually used my degree. I went and I worked for a corporate organization out in Texas that was a restaurant chain. Uh, if you're familiar with Bennigan's, I was the, oh, yeah. I worked with them and in the corporate marketing department. Um, and then from there, I moved back to Florida, continued working for Bennigan's in a corporate capacity, but then also found a new job uh, working with Ideal Image, which is a national med spa chain. I was their um, director of marketing for about 12 years, actually. So I was in the corporate world. Um, that's yeah. my background, corporate marketing. I helped grow Ideal Image from when they first started. There was about 13 locations to just about 130 locations by the time I left. Oh, so wow. I was so pretty you familiar. You saw the growth and saw them. You know, not only saw adding, the growth, but I was part locations. of it. Oh, wow. So yeah, definitely. Um, and that, and they were a franchise as well. So I was on the other end of the franchise. So you got world. to learn from that and that, that makes total sense. Right. But as a typical, so going again, kind of backwards and being in the corporate world, I was your typical corporate burnout. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, um, just got to a point where I didn't want to do it anymore. I mean, through that 12 years, I'd I got married, I had kids, my life goals literally changed. And I just didn't want to climb that corporate ladder anymore. I'd gotten to as high as I wanted to go really because I was already being maxed out on time, right? I was traveling a lot. I wasn't able to go to my kids, you know, Halloween parades or whatever fun things that they had. I was really struggling with the time that I had in order to spend with my kids. So. I realized I needed to make a change. And um, so I had to figure out what that change was. 
So I thought, well, I could go somewhere else. But at the end of the day, it was going to be the same thing, no matter where I went. At the level that I was, it was going to be just different carpet on the floor, color paint on the walls. I was going to be in the same kind of corporate rigmarole as I as yeah. I had been doing all along. So that wasn't an option for me. I didn't want to do that. So then I thought, well, I could start my own business. Um, why not? That's, be your own boss. That's what you... Be my own boss. Decided. Exactly. But quite frankly, I'm pretty risk adverse. So, <laughs> so the thought of starting my own business just from scratch terrified me. I didn't even know what I would do. You know, would it be a marketing business? What kind of business would it be? I didn't even want to think through that. But one thing I did understand was franchises. I knew that if you followed a system that it could work. So I started looking at franchise opportunities. And the cool thing with a franchise is I was looking for things where I could do something brand new. I didn't have to look at a marketing type of franchise. I was looking for, I didn't know what, but it could be something different. But I went down a lot of weird rabbit holes when I was doing my research. You know, of course I did what most people do when they think they want to um, look at a franchise, which is Google the best franchise in Tampa, right? That's mm-hmm. what everyone would think to do. And I went and I found a lot of cool things that didn't make any sense for me, weren't available. It was very, very frustrating. Through that process, I luckily ran across someone who said, hey, you should use a franchise consultant. I used FranNet and they they helped me. And so I immediately reached out to the FranNet franchise consultant here in the Tampa Bay area and started working with her. So I, she put me through a process, which is what I do with my clients, um, in order to really identify what types of franchises are out there that fit my goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started going down the path. I started researching different franchise opportunities that definitely made more sense for me than the ones that I was trying to research on my own. It just so happened she was retiring and FranNet being a franchise was one of the franchise options that she had put in front of me. So I researched researched that franchise just just like I had all the others. And it obviously um, that's where I ended up because I am now the franchise owner of FranNet here in Tampa. Yep. Yep. I I remember Pat, I've met her a couple of times. So that's, uh, that's awesome that you picked a franchise to sell businesses. You said something um, that kind of hit me. That's the first time I ever thought about it. You said you're risk averse. And I'm very, I take, you know, major risk. I mean, I got into this nine and a half years ago, uh, 10 years ago, almost. Uh, and I just got, uh, was just going through divorce. And I just, I decided to go into a business like this. But with some of them that, because I hear this from people that want to buy companies and I tell them about a franchise or I try to send them over and they don't, they don't want they don't want to hear about it to them. It's the F word. Um, is yeah. it more for, do you think, or is it, cause I know some people that own franchises, they own two or 300 different franchises. I mean, they own a bunch, but do you think at some level, some of the, um, at least the starters, it, it more be like a starter business for them, um, to buy a franchise or is that not the case? Or is that a certain percentage of the buyers out there with someone that kind of wants to get into it, but they want to have some help along the way because they need just a little bit, you know, not, even though there's no guarantees, which I was going to ask you that, is there any guarantees with franchises? But can you speak on that? Like to, is there a difference there between the type of person that you're talking to and the type of person I'm talking to? Well, I think um, first and foremost, there is definitely a stigma around franchises. Um, there's no doubt about it. And when most people think of franchises, what do they think of? French fries, donuts, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. like immediately people go to fast food. Yeah. Um, and there are over... 4,000 different franchise organizations out there and, you know, 
almost a hundred different industries. There's a lot more out there than people actually think there are. So that's kind of first and foremost is that, Mm -hmm. you know, when people think of the F word, they're thinking of, (laughs) they're thinking of McDonald's, they're thinking of um, Dunkin' Donuts, and, and that's just not the case. So there is some education that I can provide on what opportunities are out there. Um, and then what was the rest of your, like, how can I elaborate more on that? Yeah. As far as, is it the person that you're working with? Is it, um, is it someone that's, um, does it, they're more risk adverse or is it, uh, someone that has owned businesses in the past or is it their first time? Um, cause I know what we've said and I, t- we had, um, Tom Coban, he was a CEO. Um, he's a, he's a current CEO of our company, but the, the, um, previous CEO, Roger Murphy, we actually tried to sell franchise. We got into that area for a while. Yeah, Roger tried all kinds of things. And then he started backing out, I would say about a year or two years before he passed away, he realized, you know, we don't sell franchise. This is not what we do. They would come to our trade show. So I learned a lot about it. Um, so is it, is it, um, what I, cause I heard the saying, you know, I'm in, you, when you're talking to someone trying to sell them a business, you tell them, Hey, I'm not, you're not, in, you're, you're not in business by yourself. What's the, what's the saying? I can't remember. It's been <laughs> a while. Yeah. You're in business by yourself, but not, or sorry, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself yeah. is the saying. See, it's been like five years since we moved away from, from trying to sell franchises, but that was like one of the key lines that I heard when you're talking to someone is that, do you deal with that a lot as far as corporate, corporate, is that corporate buyers are your biggest amount of you, people out there listening? Yeah. That want to move up, cross over to the entrepreneur side. I would say that most of the folks that I work with are, I'll call them you know, corporate refugees, yeah. uh, for lack of better terms, you know, either by choice or by not, you know, maybe they've decided just like me that they are ready to depart or maybe they got laid off from their, you know, from their current job and just the thought of getting out there, getting their resume out there, just that is not what they want to do. <clears throat> so those are probably the majority of the folks that I work with. Um, however, there's, there's, you know, it, it really is all walks of life of yeah. folks that I work with. And I think to your point are, you know, are the folks that I work with more risk adverse? I don't know. You know, I think, you know, the thing with business ownership is it's, it is risky no matter what you still are, yeah. even as a franchise business owner, you still own the business. It's still your responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that that business thrives. So it's not up to the franchise to make that happen. So yeah, some are, some are more risk adverse. And, um, so the pathway is a great option for them because it helps them get, you know, up started in business. And so that is appealing to them, but I've had, you know, very risky people who have had very risky, you know, backgrounds who also invest in a franchise because they look at it as an opportunity to potentially get into business faster or that already has a roadmap. Maybe they've already had other businesses and don't want to start from scratch again. So it is a a little bit of a mixed bag. Oh yeah. All right. So what are the hot franchises right now? Yeah. I, I, you know, I really love that question because it it isn't so much about what's hot. I mean, you know, there are some obvious ones that people always gravitate towards like Chick-fil-A. They always think, well, there's a line wrapped around the building twice. It has to be a profitable. It has to be amazing. It has to make a lot of money, which it it does. Chick-fil-A's obviously are very, very successful, but there's aspects of owning that business that might not be appealing to everyone. So what's hot doesn't always make sense for everyone, if that, if that makes any sense. So there's definitely some that are more trendy. There are some that are trending. Um, but I wouldn't say that anyone should ever just go for what's hot. 
go for what um, what they like and probably what they think they can turn into a million dollar business into a five or twenty million dollar business. You know that makes sense. Well, they it has to fit their lifestyle. That's the that's the most important part. What are their goals with investing in a franchise? Are they looking to just have something in retirement, something that can give them an additional revenue stream? Are they looking to make a million dollars? Are they looking to invest in a business that they can eventually use you to help them sell? Um, you know, are they looking to create an asset? So it really depends on their goals as to what franchise opportunities are out there that that make sense. Some people are looking to be empire builders. They want to have those, you know, hundreds of franchises out there or at least, you know, maybe a small empire of, you know, five or six. But, you know, everyone has different goals. And so those are the things that I help kind of unpack with them. Okay. Have you seen any trends during this whole pandemic with franchises? Yeah, I definitely have. I will tell you that, um, you know, obviously when the pandemic first hit, everything froze a little bit, right? Like the thought of owning it, you probably experienced this too, the thought of buying a business or owning a business, starting a business just seemed, you know, irrational to a lot of people and others, they thought it was the best time to do it. So I, I saw both sides of that, but I will tell you probably the biggest trend that I saw during the time was that more people are looking at more service-based businesses versus brick and mortar types of businesses. And what I mean by that is, you know, they were looking for something where they didn't need a physical space in order to um, own their business. So think of home services, anything that touches a house, there's a franchise for. Everything from electricity, air conditioning, roofing, painting, flooring, dog poop picking up. I mean, there's there's a franchise for everything that is a, a home service. Whereas before, a lot of people kind of shied away from those. They thought, oh, I don't know anything about that. Or, oh, it seems like, you know, labor intense business or it's not a very sexy business, right? And so a lot of people, they never, it wasn't as appealing to them where now more people are way more open-minded that that is an appealing business model. Like the pool industry? Pool, and, yeah, pool you know? cleaning. Uh, yeah, um, I, I really, there's Yeah, no, I experienced that, yeah. That, um, that's a good point. I have experienced that, too, with the, the pool industry and certain types of home base, like the kitchen cabinet remodeling right. industry. There's just Yeah, so you probably saw some of that, too. Uh, HVAC. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, most of mine, most, I would say 80% of the people I've dealt with, and maybe just, you know, we're in Tampa Bay, but since... Um, you know, the pandemic or March, 2020, a lot of them actually went up in sales. Oh uh, yeah. Like my, my clients that I've been talking to or that I've sold their company or we're about to sell now, it's, things have been really good where their numbers actually went up too much to where I was like, well, you, you need to show another year of this. Right. You know? so. Well, people well, I mean, look, it, it makes sense to the trend, right? Mm -hmm. You were sitting around looking at your house and you're looking at all the things that you've been meaning to do to it, whether you or pay somebody to do and you're working from home now and you want a comfortable space and you want it to be the way that you've always dreamed it to be. So home services became all of a sudden highly desired. You know, people, uh, I know for me, when I had to keep my kids home and have them learning from home, right? Teaching them, which was scary. But um, I was so thankful that I had a pool. I don't know what I would have done had I not had a pool because they needed to get out of my house and go release some of their energy. And so I remember putting the the heater on the pool 
like really early in the year. It was an, it was like way earlier than we would normally have the kids out swimming. And I also was looking at my pool going, oh, maybe I need to clean this up a little bit. So that's an example of people that were, um, there was a demand, a higher demand for these types of services that maybe weren't in as high demand before because people weren't sitting around looking at their house and at the projects that they needed to complete. All right. So I know you help people find uh, franchises, but what's your process? How do you do that? Yeah. So there is a process that I do take my my clients through. Um, it starts with, I actually have them do an entrepreneurial profile assessment, which is if you, if anyone's ever done a DISC assessment, Myers-Briggs assessment, it's similar to that. It was specifically written and designed for FranNet because it hones in on motives and value sets in business, work style, leadership style, communication style, strengths and weaknesses. Um, so that's the first step that I have my clients take because what that is going to do is it sets us up with a baseline for them. I now can communicate with them better. I understand what makes them tick better. And um, they get to understand themselves a little bit better. Now, that assessment does not come back with, oh, here's the perfect franchises for Lonnie Beasley. It comes back with just more so kind of introspective, um, you know, introspective ideas for for that particular client. You know, what makes them tick? Again, helps me to communicate with them better. From there, um, we review that together and then also sit down. And, and like I said, I'm big on what are their goals? You know, so we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about that in depth. We're going to talk about what are your goals for the current, for the future, short term, long term, personally, professionally, financially. We're going to really dig into those things because, quite frankly, a lot of people haven't really thought about that. They just want to own a business, make some money, but they haven't actually thought about what their goals are short-term, long-term. What does retirement look like for them? Have they thought about that? Because that's an important piece of the puzzle. You know, what do they want their retirement to look like? So we talk about those things as well as different facets of business that they really should think about. Like how many employees are they comfortable managing? Most people haven't thought about that. And HR is a big, I mean, you know, Having employees is the number two thing that people complain about, you know, is, is employee management in a business. <laughs> I'm just laughing because, yeah, I'm so they have, stories. They have to think stuff. about that. Um, so that, you know, we talk about those things. How many hours are they willing to dedicate to the business in the short term and in the long term? Like, what's their goal? Do they, do they initially want to be, you know, all in? You know, they're willing to put whatever it takes into the business. But ideally, their goal is, you know, three years from now that they can pull away from it, hire the right managers, be more what we call semi-absentee, semi-passive. That might be one person's goals. Another person's goals might be to immediately be semi-passive. Maybe they don't want to quit their corporate job and they just want to have something on the side to create an additional revenue stream. So we talk about that. Again, everyone's goals are different when it comes to that. I'm also going to talk to them about location, you know maybe, you know, there isn't any opportunity right in your immediate area that makes any sense for you. How far are you willing to travel or own a business? You know, where, where geographically do you want to be? Um, and physically, do you want a home-based business? Do you want, you know, do you want to go into the office every single day? What does that look like? So we talk through a lot of those types of things as well as industries. You know, I'm going to get a good idea, a good sense for 
what types of industries they at least have an interest in and ones that we can certainly avoid. So I, I go down a kind of a tick list of different you know, are, are they looking for a kid's business or a business that in home services or a B2B business? So we'll, we'll talk through different industries in order for me to get a good understanding of what things kind of click with them and what things they want to, again, avoid. Yeah, because you're, you're consulting them through the whole process. It's that first part you just said, it sounds like a lot, but that's just the first part. You know, what do they like to you're looking at a few things, looking at the numbers? I'm sure you're probably helping out with financing. Well, you know, I haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah, you know, at this point, <laughs> at this point, I'm still really doing kind of the research into them and what's mm -hmm. motivating them. Um, so after that, you know, after collecting all that information, I then can come back to them with some different franchise opportunities that would make sense for them. You know, that, that check a lot of their boxes. Um, and most usually uh, when I present options to my clients, they look at me like I'm a crazy three-headed monster because they're like, I know nothing. I know nothing about these types of businesses. But that's the beauty of a franchise is that they don't necessarily have to have any experience in those businesses. It's all about transferable skill sets. So um, I come back to them with different franchise options. And from there, now we start the research process into those particular franchises. And I hold their hand through that process. And, you know, even if that means I'm holding their hand um, to make sure they're asking the right questions, make sure they're getting the answers that they should be getting. Maybe it means that I help them realize that that's not a good opportunity for them because, you know, when people start to get nervous, they have more heartburn than they do excitement. It's not a good business. And I'll, and I'll tell them, I don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense for them. So I hold their hand through the process. Like you said, I also, I'm providing resources along the way. I help them with, you know, figuring out what what financing options are available to them, different types, you know, whether it's a traditional bank, whether it's more of a, uh, you know, funding broker type of thing. Um, so I, I work with them and help them figure that out, providing them other resources such as, you know, make sure you have a good CPA, a franchise attorney, things that they wouldn't have at their fingertips that I can help navigate them on. So how long is that process when you're initially, you know, meeting them and find out what they like, finding how much money they have, et cetera, to the end, to their owning the business or even after they're owning the business. How long is that the average? I'm sure there's different times with franchises and financing and everything else, but what's your average? Yeah. So it, it definitely varies. Um, but I would say that it's a minimum of three months. Um, I've, I've had a couple of clients that it's been faster than that because maybe they're not working and they have the time to spend and have all these conversations with these different franchisors. Um, but you know, the typical time is, is, you know, three months to I've, I've, I've worked with folks as long as eight months before, before they actually close the deal. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, if I'm listening to the podcast now and I, Hey, I want to buy a franchise. Um, how much money do I, I know? I know there's different franchises out there, but maybe minimum or a little more than minimum. How much money do I need to put down credit wise? Can I get financed? Um, like what's, what's the investment on the average, or maybe if you want to go high and low end franchises. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just like other businesses, there's a, a pretty wide range of investment levels mm -hmm. and there's franchises that are, you know, on the low end, you know, you know, there, there, there's really inexpensive franchises that, you know, I don't really work with. Most of the ones that I work with are going to be somewhere in the, you know, low end, maybe 80,000 all in up into, there are some that are in the millions. Average, my average client is usually investing somewhere between 
150,000 to 350,000. Some are less, some are more, but that's probably the average. And just to clarify investment, that's not what they have to give to the franchise. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to take to get up running and operational. So the investment level is inclusive of there's an initial franchise fee um, that's involved and then everything else that you have to do to build a business. So think of if you do need a brick and mortar space, you're going to have a lease, you're going to have a build out, you're going to have equipment, you're going to have employees and overhead, you know, all of that costs money. And so that's what the investment entails. Plus usually the investment level for when you're looking at that for a franchise, they include three to six months working capital that you can expect. So that 150 to 350 kind of range that I mentioned, everything it takes to get up running operational franchise fee, all of the other overhead types of things, as well as baked in three to six months working capital. Oh yeah. And then also uh, potential travel. Uh, no, what sure. I know about franchises, you know, with, when we dealt with it just a little bit um, years ago, um, just cause you're buying a franchise here, some cool franchise, you have to go to a discovery day, correct? And that could be in Ohio, Minnesota, somewhere. And that's, you know, travel and a week and everything like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, so I have my process, right. And that I take my clients through each franchise has their process as well when they're, you know, so let's say I'll just use an example. Let's say I introduce my client to a franchise organization. They now are going to have, you know, they have their own process that they need to take those clients through those, um, I guess they're not clients at that point, but they're, you know, prospects. Um, they're going to take their the prospects through a, their own process, an introductory webinar, teach them, you know, show them just a, a high view of what that franchise is and what it entails. Um, then they're going to take them through, an, you know, another webinar, maybe to talk about the territory and unit economics. They're going to educate them on what the training consists of. They're going to educate them on the timing. So there's an education process that these franchise organizations take the the prospects through the end piece which you were just talking about a discovery day that's kind of the final step in the process once once my clients have gotten to a point where they feel i'm going to say 90 percent sure that this is the right franchise for them they then have to um, decide whether they want to go to this i'm going to discovery day every franchise calls them different things some are discovery days some are confirmation days meet the team days whatever you want to call it but they do are expected to come to this discovery day to meet their team, essentially, to meet the corporate office, their support team that's going to be there. So whether they have to fly to Minneapolis or, you know, drive over to Melbourne Beach, you know, every franchise has their their headquarters and it's in different parts of the country. So there is an expectation that they will have to travel to go visit them to do that discovery day. Because remember, with a franchise, through the franchise process, even though my clients, their prospects are, you know, they're researching whether they want to be part of that franchise, it goes the other way too. The franchise organizations are also interviewing those prospects to see whether they want them to be part of the franchise. And oh, believe yeah. me, I Correct. have seen it where franchise organizations will, for lack of better terms, reject people. They don't feel like they're going to be a good fit in their system. It happens all the time. And the good franchise organizations, they do that. And I respect it because they want somebody in their system that's going to make sense, that's going to work within their system, that is going to, you know, play nice with the other franchisees and with the with the support staff. So it is an interview process both ways. 
yeah, the discovery day, I never forget that. I mean, I've only sold, um, uh, Reese franchise resells about five of those over the years. And, um, even the franchise resale. So let me back up here. I think this is important information as far as if, if you're listening and you want to start a franchise or buy a franchise, but if you're starting a franchise, just remember you're building an asset. So even though you're, you're all, you're spending a hundred, whatever, or 250 grand total, cause you'd have a build out and franchise fees and everything else. Remember you're building something, you know, five, 10 years from now that you can sell for 5 million, $10 million. I mean, I've seen, you know, different types of franchises like serve pro that you know fetch a lot of money out there. But, um, going back to that, I just think that, um, well, I don't know. Do you, well it's do you differentiation, wanna... differentiation between, you know, what you do and what I do. Like, oh, yeah. you, you know, I'm helping people find a franchise that they can start. Yep. Uh, so where you are working with people on a business that's already existing, mm -hmm. already operational, whether it's oh, a yeah. franchise or not a franchise. Yeah. So, um, I, yes, while I sometimes do have franchise organizations that I work with that are mm -hmm. what, what are called resales, um, you know, resale opportunities. I don't broker that. It's still a business broker that comes in and brokers that deal of an existing business. More often than not, I'm working with individuals who are going to start it from scratch. Oh yeah. So that that's kind of a, a major differentiation is you're you're working with folks who are looking for an already existing, up and running, operational, cash flowing business that already has you know a price tag to it. Where I'm working with people who are generally going to start something from fresh. See, so you start something, get them started, and then ten years later, it's all built up. Then. I sell then it. you sell it. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good, good combination <laughs> there. So yeah, no, that's a big difference there. Um, I don't know if you want to get any, any technical, they call the FDD franchise disclosure document. Do you want to uh, touch on that at all? Or that might be too technical for the crowd. Uh, well, I guess, I guess the important thing to know there is that when the, you know, it's a differentiation between, um, you know, if you're going to buy a business, that's not a franchise and a business that is a franchise. Franchises are regulated by the FTC. Um, so in order, part of that regulation is that they're required to have a franchise disclosure document registered per state that they operate in. So it's a big deal to have for these companies that are franchises to, you know, have a franchise system because they have to have this document. It's usually, I don't know, 250 to 450 pages. It's, it's a beast of a document. It's all written in legalese. It's, you know, very complicated. However, it's full of extremely juicy, important information that anyone who is looking to become part of that franchise needs to dig in on. Because there's information in franchise disclosure documents that have everything from, you know, the background and history of the company, who the officers of the company are, uh, what the training programs and process look like, all of the investment. So they're going to do a breakdown of what does it take to invest in this franchise, everything from the franchise fee to royalties, which we haven't talked about, <laughs> um, to, um, you know, anything it's going to take to get it up and running and, and kind of their projected, you know, what, how much it's going to spend, how much they're going to have to invest in the franchise. There's also included in the franchise disclosure document, um, all of a listing of all of the existing and former franchise owners of the past five years, which is a pretty important piece of the puzzle too, because part of the franchise research shouldn't be just talking to the franchisor, franchise organization, in case 
people aren't familiar with that word, the franchise, it shouldn't be just talking to the franchisor. You should talk to some of their existing franchisees, ask them questions, ask them things like, you know, and this is even part of my process. I don't let any of my clients move forward until they have talked to some existing franchisees. It's an important part of the process. They need to start, they need to ask existing franchise owners, you know, questions like, how do you feel about the business? How do you feel about the support that you're getting? Do you like the systems that they have in place? Did you make the money you expected to make? And by when? In fact, they can ask them how much money they're making. The franchisee doesn't have to tell them, but they certainly can ask. And I think the most important question that I always have my clients ask is, would you do this again? Would you invest in this franchise again? If you had it all over to do again, you know, look look back three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, however long they've been with the business, would they do it again? That's gonna be a, a good tell for whether, you know, how they feel about that franchise organization because it's a marriage. You know, when you, it's not, you're not, you know, like I said, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So the not by yourself part is an important thing and you have to make sure that you're, you're with the right folks. So anyway, the franchise disclosure document has a listing of all of those franchisees that you can contact. There's also usually some sort of earnings information that's included in that. So they get an idea for what the earnings opportunity is. Anyway, franchise disclosure document has a lot of juicy information in it. That's an important piece of the puzzle. So what do you tell someone right now that they're thinking about buying a franchise, but they're thinking, you know what, I can probably do this on my own. My own. I can Google, Google, get information. What do you tell that person? And you know, why should they call you? I, I tell them they absolutely can do it on their own. I mean, they don't, they don't need um, to like, why should they do, I guess it's, that's kind of two different questions, right? Like why should they do a franchise versus starting their own business? And that's, up to them. You know, with a franchise, you have a pathway, you have a roadmap, Mm -hmm. you have support system. Starting your own business, you don't have any of that, but it's yours. You get to figure out all the things on, you know, on your own. So whenever somebody says, well, why would I, why would I do that when I could just start my own business? Seems like that consulting piece is is very important that they can't do. I mean, I I don't know if if you're out there right now trying to, you know, search for your own franchise, but it seems like there's a lot of steps you have to go through, you know, do you, uh, check your personality type, see what you might like. So, uh, FranNet just takes care of all that for you. It's just a lot of work to kind of, uh, cause your whole life is going to change. If you're going to buy a franchise, you're going to have to do some work. They're not going to do all the work for you, but they've got a system. If you follow it, you'll make a lot of money. All right. So Jenny, how does someone get a hold of you? If they want to, you know, get in the franchise world, uh, thinking about buying a franchise, um, how do they get a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of me is honestly a good old fashioned phone call. Uh, my phone number is 727-278-6094. But obviously, you know, if you just want to research FranNet a little bit, uh, the website is FranNet.com. That's with two N's, F-R-A-N-N-E-T.com. You can go to the listing of consultants. I'm listed on there. And um, then if you want to email also, it's just J the letter J, Sutter, S-U-T-T-E-R, at frannet.com. Are, that's the best way to, to reach me. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. That's another great way to reach out to me. Um, I, you know, I, I love connections on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, this, you know, there's a lot that we talked about today. I mean, franchise, I just know a hair's breadth. You know so much about it. So there's just a lot of information for me. But did we miss anything today 
that we talked about that you can tell us about franchises of your company? Sure. I, you know, one of the things that I think is probably super important that uh, I didn't bring up is that my services are 100% free. Oh, and wow. yeah, it's not magic, by the way. So um, how it works is if I help my client find a franchise that they end up moving forward with, that franchise organization has agreed, because they're in the FranNet network, they've agreed to pay a referral fee. So much like a realtor, headhunter, I get paid if my client ends up moving forward with a franchise. So no fees at all for my clients, which I absolutely love. Even if it means that I'm helping them to figure out that it's not a good opportunity for them, they shouldn't have to pay for that. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening today to the Ready to Sell podcast. And today we had Jenny Sutter on. That was great. If you need to get a hold of her, you got her contact info. But the easiest way is frannet.com. And if you want to listen to any of the old podcasts, visit LonnieBeasley.com. Thank you and make it a great week.